you're about to listen to Brittle Star's really great podcast. The really great podcast is fueled by our well-caffeinated friends at Club Coffee. It's a it's kind of a misnomer because there's no actual club to join. They just they make like they they make coffee. There's no club, so don't don't get your hopes up. They make delicious compostable coffee pods that you can find at retailers across Canada, like Loblaws, Amazon, and Costco. And they're Canadian too, eh? If you're not into coffee, sorry. Hey, it's Brittle Star here again with another episode of the Brittle Star's Really Great Podcast. And um, it's my birthday today. Just thought I'd share that with you. It probably won't be my birthday when you listen to this, but I want you to pretend it is and center your attention on me. Like I try to encourage all people to do every day anyway and just use my birthday as an excuse to, I don't know, soothe my unrequited ego. It's interesting, you know, with birthdays, I was thinking uh, the other day that, um, I hope you're doing well, by the way, I hope you do. I hope everything's good with you. And, uh, and things are going okay. And I do appreciate your time hanging out with me. But I was gonna say with my birthday, I said to Shannon, uh, my lovely wife, um, yesterday evening, that uh, so today I turned 52. It's hard to believe, isn't it? 52. That seems quite old, doesn't it? And yet I look like a child if you squint and stand like at least 100 meters away um, and have like eight beers. Then I look great. But I was thinking about uh, the, the, on the, the night before, I said to Shannon, the night before my birthday, I said, you know, I have this vivid memory of when I was 17 and it was, uh, well, I hadn't turned seven. No, I had turned 17. I was 17. So it was November 23rd, 1986. And I have this vivid memory of saying to myself before I went to bed, this is the last time I'll be 17. And that was the first time it really struck me. It's the first time it really hit me that idea of like, oh, well, you sort of, you just sort of go through life and you are the age you are and you're like, whatever. And then you get older and you're like, oh, I guess I'll never be, you know, 17 again. I guess I'll never be 23 again. I guess I'll never be 35 again, whatever. And it made me kind of take a different view of my birthdays. Like I've never, I'm kind of a shy person. I know that's hard to believe, but I am a shy person. And I compensate for that by sort of pushing this ridiculous egotistical version of myself into the world. Um, And I kind of try to make a big deal of my birthday. And that's really, again, just to sort of deal with my social anxiety. So it's like people will just know what to say to me. (laughs) Happy birthday. That's easier than, so what's new and what do you do? Um, So, you know, that's that's how I deal with my shyness and social anxiety. But it's, it's. You know, I have this different view of my birthdays now. I have this sort of like notion of like, huh, 52. Well, that's quite something. Well, we'll keep going. I enjoyed being 51. It was all right. There were some trials and tribulations, but uh, all in all, I made it through. And look, here I am. This is pretty good. So that's my advice to you if you're, you've got a birthday coming up is uh, it doesn't matter what it is. You sort of get hung up in these like, oh, I'm turning 40 and I'm turning 50. And like when I turned 40, we took the family to... Uh, Florida. Uh, and uh, I thought we'll take the boys, our kids to Disney. That'll be really fun for the day. It'll be awesome. There's a whole bunch of stories that go along with that. But uh, anyway, it was it was less than awesome. <laughs> it was awesome, but it was also stressful because a lot of, it's a big deal having a bunch of people travel together and stay together that don't normally do that. And then I turned 50, same deal. It's like I had my family go to Vancouver and it was lovely and it was great, but it was also stressful. And it's like, uh, okay. But you put like too much stock into these big milestone birthdays. It's nonsense. You know what I mean? I mean, it's great that you've made it to 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever. Um, that's awesome. But they're no more special than, you know, 21, 22, 33, 38, 43, 44, whatever. Like those, they're all great. You make it to a birthday, good for you. That's a good thing. You should take some time to celebrate that because it's it's an achievement all on its own. Just by showing up and being here and being able to celebrate another birthday is pretty pretty damn great. I just wanted to share that with you. This week's episode of Brittle Stars Really Great Podcast is uh, pretty excited about this one. This is the last episode in our second series of uh, episodes we've done. 
and uh, I'm super stoked about it. It's uh, the person we're talking to today is, I think, kind of larger than life and uh, phenomenal person, phenomenal character, uh, just like full of life and uh, an absolute joy to hang out with and talk with. And I feel very honored that, uh, that they offered us their time, which was fantastic. So without further ado, today we're talking to... My name is Karen Robinson and I am an actor. That's only one thing that I do. Well, there, you can say more. You don't have to just say it. You, can, you don't have to pick one. You can say all of them if you want. I can say all of them. I'm an actor. I'm a daughter. I'm a baby sister. And I do um, I do the daughter. I do the baby sister thing really well. Mm. Even though I'm, even though, I, um, and it's an, it, it's actually, it's, it's an activity. It's, it's based in action, being a, a baby sister. There's a physicality um, to it. There's a physicality to being a baby sister. There's an absolute physicality to it. And there is a constant state of being and a confirmation of, you know, of your prized uh, position in uh-huh. the hierarchy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I treasure that. And it sometimes confuses me because... You know, I'm now this middle-aged menopausal woman, and I find that my siblings and my and my father kind of expect stuff of me now that I, I and oh. I, and I do them because you know because I have to manage my life, so I'm right. you know I'm pretty much you know I pay bills and taxes and that sort of thing. But every now and again, it hits me that all this responsibility is really weird as the as the youngest child of four like doing stuff that was a really good that was a good intro to who you are and what you do that was good okay. I liked it. it was really really good now this is interesting so when did you have this transition where did you feel like you went from the carefree youngest child to like a you know responsible adult when did that happen I actually don't know when it happened. Yeah. I, I have no idea if I could if I could pinpoint that moment, the event, the you know cataclysmic event where everything changed, I, 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 I it would be somewhat satisfying yeah. because at least then I, you know, it's like when you're sick and they tell you you don't know what they don't know what's wrong. You like just tell me what's wrong so I know what to do about <laughs> it. I can't go back yeah. and and change history, but at least I know where I went wrong. <laughs> You do when I said yes instead of saying no, and suddenly my my older siblings were like, "Oh, she can manage." Oh yeah, that's a mistake. That's a you don't want yeah. you don't want to let people know that you're capable. That's that's a no. no. You always want to keep the bar as low as possible. I've learned keep the bar as low as possible. There you go. Makes sense. exactly. Then nobody's disappointed. That's what you want. That's what you want. Or, or if disappointment is, you know, is what they're accustomed to, um, then they, they just don't ask, don't ask so much of you and they can, they can carry on with their path. It's, it serves them. They know how to operate (laughs) within, within those walls and I can carry on with my life, but no, I had to grow up. I had to like, you know, build a career and, Uh. you know, and, and carry on with my life and, and do stuff. So, you know, so the, so the Canadian, the Canada revenue agency doesn't come after me. And, (laughs) and now, now they're like, yeah, she's good. (laughs) Just mistake, mistake <laughs> after mistake after mistake. So awful. Just talking about it gives me a hard <laughs> um, What's interesting, you mentioned about Canada Revenue, and, and one I think one of the first times I made a uh, connection to who you were was in Slings and Arrows. Right. And, and you played the Canada Revenue agent in that, which was fantastic. You were great in that. Really good. Thank you. And then what was more exciting to me, and this leads me to sort of a, a bit of questions, but is... Uh, Seeing you in that, and I think it was after we'd seen you in that, I can't remember, maybe I'm getting the time in the wrong order, you can tell me. But then after that, I'm in Stratford, mm-hmm. Ontario, mm-hmm. and saw you in um, something, Shakespeare's Universe or something. The one that was outside. Yes. Yeah. The one that's what it's called. The one that was outside. The one that was outside. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of people know that Shakespeare named his uh, plays like Friends episodes. Yeah. 
the one where they're outside. Um, and uh, you were fantastic in that, but I remember being, maybe it's the other way around, but I remember being really excited about that. And then I was like, well, I was thinking about that before I talking to you today. And I was like, I want to make sure that uh, I remember correctly. Cause it was like back in 2008, yeah. or 2007. It was 2008. 2008. Yeah. And I was like, I want to make sure I'm remembering correctly. And I went back in and, and Googled and uh, checked the Googles and then uh, found out that you were born in London, England. Yes, sir. Then And then your family moved to Jamaica. Yes, we did. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then moved, moved to Drumheller. Is that right? That's right. And that's where uh, my dad and my brother still reside in Drumheller. Now, Drumheller, that's in Alberta, for those who are listening and don't know. Drumheller, Alberta is about like 8,000 people, 9,000 people. Is maybe? it that many now? When I moved there, I think it was, was 5,000 people. And I think... Um, over the boom, um, it definitely grew. Yeah. It may be. You know what? I really haven't investigated how, um, what the population well, is at the, this Google point in right time. Now. Okay. We can because do that. I, I want to find, I want to find out because then people listening to this, they expect some sort of educational value. See, and if you now, if you could pinpoint where you went wrong there, you know, like people, I know. people's expectations. I know. Well, I mean, it's more on them than it's on me. If if you you know, if I'm being honest, because why? I think it's more because then you know they've ex- they've got, they've set their own expectation foolishly <laughs> for me and from me. But you seven thousand nine hundred. Oh, seven thousand. <laughs> I know seven thousand nine hundred eighty-two as of two thousand sixteen. Okay. So less things maybe things are really kicked up in the past. Five years. Yeah. Well, certainly, you know, um, I've been back. Uh, I, I go back um, uh, about what twice a year or something like that because I still have family there. And um, certainly, a w- one thing that my sisters and I talk about is 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 the fact that how shocked we are when we go to Drumheller now and seeing black people there. <laughs> Especially black people who who look like they belong, like they're just right. walking, you know, doing doing their business, um, opening their businesses. It's not only black people; it's all kinds of people who have actually moved to Drumheller and um and, and established themselves there. And they, you know, the doctors are, you know, so many of them are people of color and, um, you yeah. know, and, and people are opening restaurants and nail salons and that sort of thing. So yeah, we've, we've definitely seen it, you know, and of course they've had to, um, expand, uh, housing and that sort of thing to accommodate all those people. So yeah, I, I definitely, I've, I we see it, we see it. it's a yeah. hell of a lot more. Um, uh, what? Um, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's a hell of a lot more multicultural than when we moved there in 1982, right? 83, 84, 83. So, I mean, that's I mean, that's earlier on. I mean, so how long did you live in Jamaica? 14 years. So that's a culture shock. Yeah, yeah, it it was. I'm not sure. I I tend to um, I tend to have delayed reactions to things. So. It's just going to hit you now, isn't it? <laughs> so um, you'll curl into a fetal position. I know, I know. Any minute now, it's going to hit me. So when I went there, I was just um, w- without even knowing it, I was absolutely in the moment, just trying to experience. Uh, this new place for what it was, um, you know, my mother and and um, and sister and brother had, you know, had been there for a while before me and right. before another sister and I and my dad followed. So, um, you know, so they sort of figured some stuff out, but there was also a lot of stuff that was impossible to to figure out. It was just like navigating this whole new life and these attitudes of people who had never seen Black people before and the way they responded and the fact that, you know, you couldn't find a pair of pantyhose that that could fit your skin color. I mean, it was all kinds of stuff. You know, it was, there was a multiplicity of stuff. Um, so anyway, you just, um, you, I just sort of try to 
to to get from one day to the other with you know as as uh, authentic a self as I could present at that time. Um, but it's not until you know it wasn't until years later um, when I thought, holy s h asterisk t that was <laughs> that was intense. That was because you would have been like thirteen or something. Well, God bless you. I was sixteen. I was okay. 16 because um, I moved in 1984. So that's even worse in a way. I mean, yeah, it was. Um, I, uh, so even now, I can't even form the words. I'd never been called the N word before. So, you know, right. so that, w- that was certainly a shock. Um, I didn't come from a culture where. Uh, where teenagers' um, uh, rite of passage into adulthood had a lot to do with drinking and smoking because I was coming from a developing nation, you know, relatively, what, lower middle class. There wasn't the kind of disposable income to do that sort of thing. And also, you know, small C, conservative Christian background, all of that stuff. So I come to Drumheller and the thing that I'm encountering is this idea of partying right people wanted to party and i didn't understand how what do you mean you go out into the bush and you just drink and smoke and that's called a party i didn't get it yeah parties in jamaica consisted of young people getting together young people actually all kinds of people getting together um and and there was a lot of music and you know and a lot of dancing and you best feed those people (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right there had, there had to be some food right and yes there was drinking and, sure. but it, but it wasn't the main event right so yeah it was it was stuff like that it was certainly a cultural shock and of course when you're coming from when you're the new person and the odd person out in that situation if you don't know how to handle it, it, it then you become the you become the, uh the um focus of derision Right. which is right. what you know which is definitely what happened to me uh, well i can see i mean uh, my best friend growing up his family moved from jamaica uh in like i think maybe 1978 or something like that mm-hmm. uh to stratford small town and um bigger than drumheller but still a small town mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. honest to god i think his family and one other family were the only two families of color. Everyone else is white, basically white. Now, my parents were uh, immigrants, but of course they were just Scottish immigrants, right? So they were just like whiter than everybody else here. They were slightly translucent <laughs> compared to everybody else and, and spoke funny. Mm-hmm. But so they had their own sort of different uh, adjustments to it. Like, for example, my dad, when they moved to Stratford, uh, it was still a very tiny, small town in Canada. He'd come from like Glasgow, like sort of, you know, major city. And the first thing he found that he could do was rent horses. So he would go down to the hotel. He would like drink all evening and then found a way to rent a horse to ride the horse back home for two bucks an hour. Isn't that crazy? What? what? Which hotel are we nuts? talking about? It was like a the Kent Hotel, I believe it was called. It's gone now. But it's like a tavern. Okay. You know, there was no pubs or anything. Oh. This town was too small for pubs and stuff. And, um, anyway, so like he would adjust, he would take to, uh, adjusting to that as opposed to leaning into his Scottish side, uh-huh. he would like, he would lean into like what he felt was the, you know, Canadian wild West, you know, whatever <laughs> North that. American side. <laughs> I know. It's like he my we used to live on, uh, uh, an apartment building that was the second floor, but the first floor was kind of almost like a half basement floor. So the second floor balcony was the height of the head of a horse. So my dad would like ride up to the horse and be like, say to my mom, bet, bet, I'm here. Hello, bet. It's me. Your cowboy. <laughs> yippee ki Um, so he leaned into that side. But my my question is, is that like, you know, when I think about my friend Hainsley and his family, they were the Baileys. And uh, there was the only... I know who you're talking about. Of course I know who you're talking about. Do you know Garvia and all that kind of stuff? I do know Garvia. Yeah, of course. Who doesn't know Garvia? Uh, I have a fantastic recording of Garvia and I making fake commercials when she was eight and I was 10. And it's just, it's hilarious because it's basically what we do now. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that hasn't changed. No, it hasn't changed at all. And But it was the Baileys and it was the Dailies. And I thought that Mm -hmm. that was cruel on its own. But then the the Dailies were... uh, from Trinidad, I believe. Okay. But the thing is, like, Hainsley and I were really close. 
And uh, the the only issue with that is that Hainsley, like, is, is again largely white town. He would like lean into the expected black culture. So like this is like still like 83, 84, and you'd get like uh, Freeze's uh, A E I O U playing. I don't know if you know the tune or not, but to, like a real sort of A E E A E I O U. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes why? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But then people would form a circle around him and expect him to know how to dance. And him, Hainsley being Hainsley, would be like, all right. And he would just go to do just do it. He would just <laughs> but he's <laughs> But he's the most, I, I think the thing that always stuck out to me was how much, I mean, I was around him when he got hassled from kids and all that kind of stuff and, you know, got called the N-word and get challenged for fights. The good thing was he was a really good fighter. So he didn't, okay. people would generally not challenge him because mm-hmm. they they'd get beat. But uh, he kind of leaned into it, even though he was the, he is and was the most redneck person I've ever met in my life. Uh, way more redneck than me. And I'm not redneck in the least, actually. I'm one sandwich away from communist and gay. But he's incredibly redneck. And uh, But he would lean into that. Did you feel that any pressure when you're like in this small community? You're like, ah, oh, did people like expect that from you? Like, I think I, um, I think I was able to escape that expectation because there were actually two other um, young, two other black girls in my high school. They, uh, they actually lived in residence because their family was from um, Northern Alberta. And um, they'd been there longer, much longer. I mean, they'd gone through, I think, their entire high school experience at that school, whereas I just showed up in grade 12. So they had integrated quite well. And um, when, and you know, when there'd be like school concerts or whatever, they always used to do stuff like they, they would lip sync to Tina Turner. They played, they, you know, they were on sports teams yeah. and, you know, they and, and all the kids really liked them they were fully integrated so i so i didn't have to which is a good thing because i don't think i knew how i mean i certainly am not athletic and even though i'm the one who um ended up on the stage i i don't want to i don't want to be up there listen here's the interesting thing (laughs) um i ended up i ended up on stage and doing what i do for a living but I don't really like being in front of people. Like not, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like I love, okay, let me qualify that just so I don't destroy my career. <laughs> I love, I, I love the path that my spirit, my soul, the universe has put me on. I know that this is what I'm meant to do as a vocation in my life. Um, there's no questioning that. Um, and I actually, I love audiences. I, I love the, um, I love the conversation that, you know, that we have as, as, you know, performer and audience and what, what's given and what's interpreted and all of that stuff. I really love that. But if you ask me, <laughs> if you ask me to like MC something really? or, oh God, oh my God. Oh, I it just, I can't, I, I, I mean, I can, but I don't, I don't love it. I feel like, um, I feel like I'm better with other people's words, first of all. Right. And, um, and second of all, um, the idea of the, like doing that lip sync thing, the idea of there being a personality out there, a real person out there like Tina Turner and me trying to find a way to inhabit her in some kind of um, entertaining way. I don't think that's my gift. No, I think there are other people. Yeah. I think there are other people who are really, really good at that. Well, these women were, these uh, girls and there were girls then were really good at it, but, but that wasn't me. That's not my mode of, of performance. Anyway, um, so uh, you know what? To get back to what you were saying, I didn't have to. I didn't have to do. I I I, I didn't have to fit into anybody's box right. of uh, of of what was you know what was cool and and that sort of thing because I was identifiably uncool. <laughs> I didn't have the clothes, I didn't have the hair, I didn't have the makeup, I didn't have the language, I didn't have the habits, none of that stuff. I found a small little group of people that I could fit into. I remember the secretary in the um, in, in the office, she she actually had one of the first um, 
karaoke. She had one of those uh, home karaoke machines. Yeah. And actually, she used to play Tina Turner, and I would and I and I would sing. I would sing along to that. <laughs> but that was like in her living room in a very small group of people. I can do that. I'm not going to do it in front of the whole school. That's weird. That's really weird to me because it's, I mean, you know, you started off this conversation by saying, oh, you're a scripted person and you don't know how you can't do improv and stuff. I mean, you've carried this conversation. I mean, you're fully, you're really natural, obviously, at, at doing this kind of thing. Yeah, but this is just you and me, right? That's, probably, that's pretty accurate. No I'm one just, else is going to hear this. Exactly. Right? <laughs> that's probably pretty close, pretty close to the truth. <laughs> <laughs> oh god self-deprecating I, humor <laughs> but i think that's great i mean it's interesting you're talking about that experience of drum heller, drum heller because that really stuck out to me as like wow what a transition like culturally i mean it's, yeah is it uh, you know and it speaks well of drum heller like that's lovely i think that's nice to hear you know it's well here's the thing um of course you know having grown and traveled a bit and um you know and my expansion happens, hopefully. I go back now and I'm kind of gobsmacked by how beautiful it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and uh, every now and again, I go back to the Dairy Queen where I used to work. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I'm, qu I'm quite pleased with myself that, you know, that I survived that outfit. It was brown and polyester. <laughs> I, sur <laughs> I survived that outfit. I was really good at putting the little curly thing on the top of, you oh. know, all of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that ice cream product, whatever. Um, I was really good at that. Um, yeah. Uh, there was there was a hell of a lot of growing um, that my family did, and I think that my mom in particular, who passed away last year, she actually she laid the groundwork for so many black women who came after her. Mm -hmm. I'm so proud of that, and I'm so touched when when those women tell me about that. People mm -hmm. who, you know, who didn't come till decades after, but they know that my mom was first and, and that they could because my mom did. That's so lovely. That's so mm -hmm. nice. I mean, that's really great. I think, I mean, obviously looking at what you're doing now, and, I, and I, I'm curious as to how you decided you, know, you couldn't do something, you know, in front of the class <laughs> or in front of the school and then suddenly go into like stage acting, which terrifies me. Stage acting is like remembering someone's lines. Oh God, that's, uh, I, that's nerve wracking. It's a thought of that. I was filming Stuart, this morning. you write, you, you write I, stuff. I and, know, but and you I perform I, them. I, but you, if there's, if I could do uh, Shakespeare with a teleprompter, phonetically spelled out, that'd be great. I could do that, no problems. But uh, I think we'd all say that. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're proving my point. <laughs> but I mean, you think of uh, you know the, the notion of stage acting terrifies me. I was filming this morning, mm -hmm. and I had to do individual scenes that had, honest to God four words in each scene, four separate staccato words in each scene. And I had to stop and reread them, stop and reread them, stop and reread them to go over. And I couldn't, I can't imagine. Those are the else. hardest ones. Those are the oh. hardest ones. Well, Any actual tell you auditioning for auditioning with like for one line, the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I'm not the auditioning. Worst. It's just yeah. I'm auditioning for myself. That's me. It should be easier. <laughs> the worst. We are our worst, our own worst judges, right? Oh yeah. Uh, for yeah. sure. You set the well, bar needlessly how's, high. How's your partner? Is she, is she a, is she a harsh judge? She, so my wife, Shannon, she, uh, we say that our living room is where pitches come to die. That's basically that's what we call it. <laughs> So the idea is because Shannon, we're still Shannon, talking about the work, right? Well, a little bit of everything, really. That's what they all. <laughs> and she, she is. She never wanted to do anything that we're doing. Like with the fact that for this past nine years, all we've been doing is creating videos and content for social media and stuff. Is she did not want this life. She did not want it at all. Even when I was doing it, she was like, "Ah, whatever. It's making him somewhat happy. We'll let him do it." And and then I was like, "Would you be in it?" in these videos and she said no i'm not going to be in the videos forget it and i was like okay that's fine and then disney came along and disney was like hey listen we'll pay you uh, this much money uh, but your whole family has to be in it and I, and she was like no no i'm not going to be in it and i was like they're going to pay us this much money and she was like where do you want me to stand where i can stand anywhere you want <laughs> so she, she can be bought 
That's the thing. That's I the thing. love her boundaries. I understand <laughs> her boundaries. What's that? No, 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 no. They're going to pay me what? <laughs> <laughs> Say what now? <laughs> I mean, absolutely. The only downside to that is we worked yeah. for Disney and they were great. They were totally fine. There's lots of weird things. Like there was a, uh, like seven different departments. We had to get every concept and script vetted through, including character, which was really my most favorite one. So you couldn't, uh, one of the things was, well, my wife will dress as a princess. And they were like, no, no, she won't. I was like, oh, why? She is not a princess. I was like, you don't know her. And they was like, no, 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 she's not Cinderella. She's not Jasmine. She's not blah, blah, blah. She's not whoever. And the other ones, whatever the other princesses are called. And, uh, and so she couldn't dress as a princess at all because of that. So even though she went through that trauma, there's still enough money that she said yes. So that was the main thing. <laughs> I'm so happy for the both of you, for your whole family. <laughs> amazing to it no I'm, I'm i'm serious no that that really is amazing that one day you have this idea you turn it into something um you step out on you know faith and you and uh, how relatively inexpensive it is to you know to do this yeah. thing because social media is right there and it's 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 a whole career now and it's your yeah. it's your public persona and it's your and people expect it of you and you can comment on current affairs and you know there is yeah you have you have a platform that you use extremely well by the way it's very well, admirable you. i appreciate You're you saying welcome. that very very much it's weird it's a very weird gig to get into as a middle-aged weirdo from the suburbs in Stratford. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> so when did but you I'm make a, that yeah. when, when did you make that big jump to say that yeah, I'm gonna do stage acting? See, it was always there. Like I said, I'm yeah. okay if if I'm in the context of a play. I'm fine with that. And I've always done that. And I've always done that with um even growing up in Jamaica, you know, there were poetry festivals and music festivals and that sort of thing. I'm all right as performer and audience. You would do that? Um, I, would, would, I would do that growing up. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I, I the first time I remember doing it was, I think I was four years old. I was, you know, um, and, and they knew I could sing. So they put me on a stool because I was really, really short for a four-year-old. Um, <laughs> the kid and can sing, had, but she's way too short. Exactly. Mean? Get her a stool. And, you know, and it was, I I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Right. And I got an encore. And I think that was it. But also as a youngest child, you're always sort of performing, right? You kind of have to in order sure. to get what you want out of life. What do you and, do as uh, an encore if when you're four? What do you do as an encore? Oh, the same you, song. The same tune again. Yeah. And then yeah. people, there's a little less clapping after that. Like, yo, that's, that's good. Yeah. I can't remember Stuart and I don't want to talk about it. I'm sorry. If I'm there sorry. was, <laughs> if, if there was, if there was less clapping or I just, <laughs> I just know that I reveled in the applause. Yeah. And I'd always done that. I'd, I, I, I'd always, um, perform in an audience. I'm fine with, I, um, and so when I, when I moved to Canada, it was actually, that's when I realized that this thing that I was always um, gravitating to was actually um, a viable career choice. Right. Um, and so when I was in, um, it, you know, I was sort of still figuring it out when I was in that last year of high school. But one of the things I did do was audition for the school play. And got the part and um, and performed at some regional festival or whatever and won Best Actress and then ended up going to Arts Trek, which is this like um, uh, this drama intensive that happens in Vermilion, Alberta. Um, so, you know, you can imagine me 60, 17 years old packing up, you know, my five pieces of clothing or whatever I had, and, and, you know, and getting on a Greyhound bus. God bless God. my mom for, for just going. I know. Eh, That's sure. terrifying. Go ahead. Yeah. You have a lot of, you have a lot of siblings. How many siblings do I, you have? I'm um, three. 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 Okay. Yeah. And, but I, I would say that I'm certainly the most adventurous one. I would, you know, and I think my mom was just like, I can't, I, I can't stop her or I could stop her, but something tells me that my life would not be worth living if I did stop her. So let me let her go. <laughs> so she let me go. And one thing just led to another. And, you know, I, I think 
the decision was made after Arts Trek, I knew, I said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, and then it was time to go to college. Mm-hmm. I had failed math. And so I couldn't go on. I didn't matriculate. So I couldn't go on to university. I could only go to college. I remember looking down the list of available majors at at um, Mount Royal College. It was back then. And the only thing that spoke to me in anyway was theater arts like right. out of I, I don't know there must have been like 50 choices or something and the only thing that caught my eye was theater arts and that's what I went to school to do well it's fun I'm glad you did I mean because it's I it, I remember both Shannon and I watching you in that outdoor show the one where they're outdoors or whatever it's called <laughs> the one where they're outdoors and uh and and being like like immediately like taken like oh god she's really good like she's really like you have like a presence though oh it speaks to like the whole thing as well like mentioning you in that one episode of Slings and Arrows it's like because it was one episode you're in right you mm-hmm. weren't in any other episodes no but it's like that's how that's how impactful it was it was like one episode it's like damn it she's got like this power like this sort of like uh, I don't know. What do they call it? Star power, baby. I don't know what it's called. You think that, that you think that's what it is? Oh, well, I think well, it must be. Yeah, I, you, I don't know, Stuart. I, I tell you, I don't know. I every now and again, it still hits me that the fact that I'm 53 and still doing this and doing it successfully by so many metrics. I I still find it miraculous because mm-hmm. think about it. You know, when we were growing up. Uh, when you thought of actors, like or, or whatever you saw on TV, or people who had any kind of uh, platform in entertainment, first of all, they didn't look anything like me mm-hmm. in terms. Of, uh, they usually weren't people of color, and then second of all, they were usually people who adhered to a certain beauty standard, mm-hmm. and um, and the fact that neither of those things, you know, I'm not white and I certainly don't look like, remember Donna Mills from, oh, what yeah. was it, with Knott's Landing? Yeah. I certainly don't, I certainly don't look like her. Uh, you know, I, I think, I think that I am, I I think that, you know, what I'm doing is a, is a miracle in itself, but I think that I probably surprised a hell of a lot of people who knew me growing up because <laughs> honest to God, like, Puberty was not good to me. <laughs> Limbs were growing at their own separate rates. <laughs> right? My nickname in high school was Big Features because I was like this. I was I, I was like this pole with eyes and lips and this head. I got a big head, and you know, my boobs grew. I got the boobs, but yeah. like nothing else. So they call me Big Features because I was just this collection of Big Features, which is a pretty so, cool name know, now, though. I mean, Big <laughs> Features is. I mean, if you could go, you could go into rap or something with the name Big Features. That's pretty cool, right? I think I'd have to be the weird Al Yankovic of rap, though, with a name like Big Features, and then he'd make a song about that. I mean, all I mean, all all rap names, all band names in general are goofy. I think that you know, yeah, big features is a good name. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. I, you I, can make it work. So, yeah. but but I do think so. You know, my teeth were all over the place. Like this is a this is this is years of orthodontics. It's yeah. By what we had seen, it wasn't supposed to be me, and um, and I'm really really humbled at, uh, that that it's that I'm I'm here and that I get to do good work. Uh, you know, uh, it, Slings and Arrows, I think about Slings and Arrows and I think to myself, when I watched that series, there was not one weak link in that series. Like oh, yeah. nowhere. Yeah. Like I, I, I sure. couldn't see it. Not in the actors, not in the writing, not in the directing. There was nothing. And I think when I'm put in those kinds of situations, my job is to just not screw up, yeah. right? Everything else is you know, the little curly one, the top of the Dairy Queen ice cream, but that's, everything else is that. But that's it. That's all about that though. Without that, it doesn't matter how great the ice cream is underneath. If you don't have that little nice, perfect, you know, curl at the top. It's that's not, right. It's not a Dairy Queen. It's not DQ cone. It's not a DQ cone. Yeah. It's not a peanut buster parfait. No, it's not. It's not a, you know, dilly bar, whatever. Exactly. Exactly. You know the actor Calm Fior? I do know oh. the actor Calm Fior. When Bon Cop Bad Cop came out, 
And uh, you know, remember Con- that oh. good move. So good. And I love the fact that uh, that movie, much like when you think of like Shit's Creek and and Slings and Arrows, it's like Canada. Canada is capable of creating just good fun stuff. It doesn't always have That's to be. Right. About, it doesn't have to be about survival and incest all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-mm. Maybe it's survival, Mm-mm. incest, and a couple of jokes. You know what I mean? Or you know, like or that. anybody in Green Gables. Yes, exactly. It can actually they don't nothing has to happen with a gable at all. They don't even have to have gables no. in them, regardless of color. It doesn't matter. That's right. Anyway, so Bon Cop Bad Cup comes out. We miss it in the cinemas. We want to rent it and watch it with friends. Anyway, I go to the video store here in town and I walk in to rent it. Because I'm not, I mean, I like calm, but I'm not gonna invest big money in in calm and uh i walk in and standing right there is calm fior and i was like oh hey calm and he's like hello and i was like i actually came in here to get to get to your movie and again which is a signature move obviously he doesn't break gaze and he leans over right not like right over the other side so he's standing in front of a rack of dvds he leans over that rack to the <laughs> other side of the rack <laughs> grabs a dvd pulls it back it's his film it's his it's bond cop bad cop and he goes there you go and i went you've been standing there all day man is that like is, is what you've been doing <laughs> marketing campaign but then i take i said well thank you very much and i turn around to go walk up to rent it for three bucks and it's like oh damn it he's giving me the 30 dollar dvd i have to buy this now so I went. And I, so I have a copy of Bon Cop Bad Cop because he handed it to me, and I was too scared to say no. No, I just wanted to rent. Of course, it. you have to buy it because you can't exactly go back and go. No. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to keep it. Yeah, Can you, I just, I just yeah. want it for a couple of days. If you want to walk a, walk closer and stand closer to the new releases section, that'd be better. That'll work out better for me. <laughs> I don't need to buy this. Oh my God, I mean it was a good movie, but we're not. Ah, uh, one day it'll be it'll, it'll be worth a hell of a lot more. I did make him sign it though, which was nice. So there was there was. Ah, uh, he must have loved that. Of course he did. He'd literally You're been standing calm. there. He was doing nothing standing there. He was literally just waiting for people to come out to him. He wasn't him. doing nothing. <laughs> he was there to rent his own movie. <laughs> You're calm. I love calm. Um, yeah. So I also want to say, you know, when you're talking, we were talking about you being born in London and then moving to Jamaica and then going to Drumheller, Alberta, and then your brief time here in Stratford, where I am, mm-hmm. and uh, the center of the universe. And um, one of the things that I, you may be aware of is that whenever someone lives in Stratford, even just for a short period of time, they become one of those people that if you see them on television or the movies or wherever you go, oh yeah, they're from Stratford. And you're one of those people now. Do you know that? Am I? Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, Courtesy of whom? Is it just you or does everybody do that? Well, I can't speak to everybody. And it's 36,000 people, but it's pretty much, that. Okay. I mean, that's a pretty good guess. It's one of those annoying <laughs> things that uh, people from Stratford do. So for example, when, uh, when Schitt's Creek started up, it was like, ah, she's from Stratford. You know what? In a way, I am because there is a there is a, definitely a piece of my heart in Stratford. I mean, I've been I've been at the festival um, six seasons, not consecutively, mm-hmm. but you know, I've done six seasons there, and and you know, and some great work, and I've made friends that are going to be my friends forever. For um, uh, and a good example of that is Calm's neighbors. They're my, they're my dear, dear friends. But still, I just haven't been able to get into Combs House. Yeah, yet. I'm, I was going to say, I mean, set the bar higher for friends. If, if you want to get into Combs House and they haven't even pulled that off for yet. No, that wasn't even the point, though. I don't think that when I made friends with them, I knew that um, they were like, like no, Calm and they are very, very close. They, they are best friends. And that's one of the ways that I've been able to, that's the, one of the ways that I've been able to get to know Kalma and Donna better. Yeah. But, um, uh, but yeah, the getting into his house thing that, you know what, that, that isn't even a goal of mine anymore. The friendship <laughs> has taken precedence and they have a pool. I don't think Calm has a pool. That was a good, that was, Does a, he? I don't know. I have no idea. He's not letting me into the yeah. house either. No way. Yeah. I mean, my I, friends, my friends, the hussies, they have a pool, so I enjoy that. Well, that was good. It was good back backtracking there to keep yourself in the good books, <laughs> just in case, just in case the invitation comes across the table. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what just happens. In case calm. Could, this, you know, this could stink me. This whole thing could stink me. That's right. Just in case Calm or Donna are listening, uh, please, please 
please invite Karen into your home and let us yes. know, let us know if you have a and let us know in the comments if you have a pool. <laughs> and I, I, I want to see the junk room. I well, want to see I, that junk room. I know. I mean, it would be cool, right? Like, do you have a bunch what? of stuff? Like, do you have? Do you take stuff from productions you've done? Because I was looking at your no. IMDb, and my God, you're busy. You're constantly working. I, it, it's been, it certainly has been that way over the last several years. And I tend not to. The only thing I took from Shit's Creek, because it's not like I was going to take any of Ronnie's clothes. I mean, yeah. <laughs> come on. Yeah, yeah, Ronnie yeah. was, you know, fashion plate, she was not. Um, but uh, the only thing I took was, remember that scene when, um, when Moira had uh, done um, an interview and she had said something that was interpreted as a slight against the town of Schitt's Creek. And like 10 people came to the town hall to protest and they were holding up signs saying, signs like, we're really disappointed in you, yes. Moira. Say your uh -huh. story. I think I took one of those signs and that's the only thing that I've taken from <laughs> Schitt's Creek because they, those signs made me laugh so hard. That's good. Yeah, but I, I tend not to. You're not really a memento person. You know, sort of take stuff I, I don't like, like a, no, I don't like a lot of stuff at all. So, um, oh, really? You know, so I, I'm constantly getting rid of stuff. I like space. I like negative space. Um, I don't, I'm, I do not do clutter. And also, there's mm -hmm. another reason for me not taking mementos, which, which is for me, take, you know, for instance, if I happen to be on a poster or something, the last thing that I want to do is have that laminated and put it on my wall because it really, and, yeah, because what it does for me is it, it sort of encapsulates or, or puts, it, it puts a, a full stop or something on a certain place in time. And I don't ever want to be looking at that and sort of reminiscing about when when I was on a poster or when things were better or when I was younger and slimmer. I don't, I don't, I, I don't enjoy being in, I have no, being in that state of mind. I have no problems with memories. I will do that with, with people. Actually, I do have a problem with memory. I have a relatively bad one, but I love <laughs> reminiscing. I do. I love reminiscing with people, but I don't want it to be about, you know, some kind of glossy depiction of, who I used to be. That's who I used to be. That's not me now. That's fascinating. That's really fascinating. Mm. Cause I think like I, I, I speak from experience myself as well. I know a lot of people who are performers and will uh, like for me, I, I can look around the room I'm in right now and I can see one, two, three, four, five, six, six framed things from places I've played or, or stuff I've done, but I do it as like to psych myself up though. I like I okay. Go, okay, I actually have achieved something, mm -hmm. you know? and and at least if I fall, I can always say I got that far. Mm -hmm. that, that's that's yeah. how I view it. But not you. The good for you. I think yeah. that's amazing. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it it just doesn't work for me. I completely understand why it works for for other people, but it's it's not my thing. It's not my it's thing. Probably, it's probably, I would much rather have you know, somebody's art or, you know, pictures of mm. my family, me, me as me, me as right. the, me as Karen. That's fine. Right. Right. Well, that's fascinating. I think that's, I think that's, it shows that you don't have any insecurities really. I think. Well, no, it doesn't. I have all kinds does. of insecurities, all kinds <laughs> of insecurities. I just, I, I, I just <laughs> deal with them in different ways, you know? I mean, uh, you feel comfortable with what you've done. You sort of feel like it sort of suggests that you're thinking you're, you're you know, you're, you're on a journey. You're going to, you're all, ever moving forward, all that yeah. kind of stuff. I think that's great. That's fantastic. Sometimes you have to forget about what you've done too. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> we've both I've had been, those experiences. I'm sure. Yeah. I've been married before. So yeah, that you're right. You're absolutely right. Ah, <laughs> I see. <laughs> I don't have any, I don't have any of those wedding photos up in the house anymore. Shannon thinks we don't need them up. Either, ah, so it's probably fine. Yeah, it's good. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask you another thing, actually. Uh, I know we haven't really talked anything really about Schitt's Creek, but I will tell you this and ask you this. Now, when you moved to Canada uh -huh. uh, in the early 80s, mm -hmm. were you aware of things like SCTV and stuff like that? Like, Yes. Yeah. I mean, actually, because it was it was maybe filmed in Edmonton, wasn't it, That around that time? I don't know. I mean, that's not... I didn't make that connection, but um, I do remember it being on TV. I do remember thinking to myself, what is this? 
this is a particular kind of humor that I've never been introduced to before. And I found it, I think what I found it, I, what I found was that it was fascinating. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like a huge revelation to me. All of Canada was like a huge revelation to me. So I, you know, I was going through so many, so many changes at that point, but, um, but yeah, I do remember seeing it and going, this is, this, this, just not really knowing what to make of it, not judging it, knowing yeah. that I was seeing something new and different and fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think that sort of, you know, found its way to trickle through my, my, my blood vessels or something like that. I do remember it from back then. So, of course, I'm bringing that up because, you know, Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy and Schitt's Creek. And uh, I remember we did uh, two uh, branded videos, like promotional videos uh, for Schitt's Creek when it hit the States, when it played on pop TV in the States. Okay. For for the first and second season, we made videos. The first one for the first season was much more involved. And it was like, uh, uh, it was like me taking the family, me and Shannon taking the boys on a, on a, like a a budget family trip because we were trying to save money. And we passed the sign going into Schitt's Creek. And then uh, the back of the truck, uh, the car opens and the, and our kids run out the back of the car down the road, basically. They sort of like, they're like, they don't want to go. I've never seen these. Uh, well, it's out there somewhere. But the thing that was most terrifying, the second season one wasn't as good because the the because uh, the network kind of kiboshed our original idea and then made something that was just like, eh, eh. the first yeah. one was good. Um, uh, and anyway, but the most exciting thing to me was that they had to be approved by Eugene and Dan. And I was like, <gasps> Not so much Dan. I mean, I met Dan before and he's lovely, but he doesn't put the fear of God into me like his dad does. Um, did you have any of that reverence going into like meeting like that kind of like, did you like go, oh, gosh, it's them? Because I mean, I was freaking out just doing that video. Yeah, I, I remember when I got the audition for it and I saw that it was, um, I think I knew that Eugene and Catherine had already been, um, you know, were were headlining it. I didn't know a lot about Dan at that point. Like I remember I'd seen him on the Hills after show and I, right. I, I, he was like this big presence to me, but um, Eugene and Catherine, I definitely knew. And I mean, uh, you know, Dan and I are friends now, so I can say this when I went for that first, well, no, it wasn't the first audition. It was a callback that, um, that I was told that Eugene and Dan were going to be at. And so I was sitting there in the waiting room and Dan came in and, um, and Eugene didn't. And <laughs> I was a bit disappointed. <laughs> I would have to say, oh, yeah. Who are you and where's your dad? <laughs> um, but you know, but uh, you know, apparently Eugene was shooting. He was, he was at that point. He was doing that scene where they end up at Bob Bob and Gwen's cottage. So oh, he was right. climbing through a window or something like that, and so he couldn't <laughs> be there. Anyway, I mean, obviously it worked out for me. Thank God Dan didn't know then that I was disappointed. <laughs> I'm trying to get a job here. How dare I be disappointed? But yes. There was that, um, I think when I did get the job and started shooting, um, then I was fully aware that I was in the presence of royalty. Yeah. And it's, and, and you know what, that didn't even have to as much to do with what I was feeling mm-hmm. as it had to do with what they were doing. Oh Yeah. Right, sure. I, I can't imagine like being in the same room would just be a lot to take. It in. was definitely well founded, and yeah. you know, and and then I, you know, that that actually my 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 state of being so highly impressed just spread amongst the rest of the cast. Like, I think one of the first scenes that I had to shoot was actually with Annie, and my God, that woman. is just brilliance and loveliness and funniness and you know and dan dan was doing everything and then bang he would be in the scene and then he'd be doing everything else costumes and directing and rewriting or bang he'd be in the scene you know you know and then everybody else that i got to play with i mean that 
that show was, oh my God, what a gift. What, yeah. what an incredible gift. And the easiest, the most comfortable I've ever been in any costume ever, <laughs> stage, TV, film, what, because I didn't have to have a waistline. I, I didn't have to care because Ronnie didn't. I didn't have to look at it a particular way. I just had to come with this face. Well, I mean, I think it's a, it's a credit to your talents that, uh, you know, you can speak so highly of, of Catherine and Eugene, but it's not like, you know, it's not like you, you would see Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy in the show. And then, and then there was the, you're to everyone watching, I'm sure. And certainly to me on the same level, it wasn't like, Oh, now we're going to drop down to secondary. <laughs> to second tier. <laughs> exactly. Second tier oh, here comes the B list to that type of thing. It yeah. was never like that. It was kind of like, Oh no, this is just like, everyone's just so nicely rounded. You know, it's just great. Fantastic. Yeah. It's a, it's a testament to how they work. I mean, I think they are fully cognizant that, um, you know, Catherine had that one line: "When one of us shines, we all shine." Yeah. It's it's um it, it that actually was true. They were extremely generous as um as co actors, and I yeah I we all got the opportunity to go in there and give our best. You know. Well, I mean, you know the impact the show's had on people and you've had on people. And it's on cool. me. Listen, it's one thing in Canada when I'm riding my bike on, you know, freaking Queen Street or whatever. Oh, right. I mean, it's, yeah, I'm used to being recognized in La Blas mm -hmm. and I get it. And I'm, I'm so, so touched that the show means so much to so many people. But coming to America, yes, and I meant to say that, coming to America <laughs> and, um, you know, in North, North downtown, I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina. Right. And I was, I went out for dinner with, um, with one of my, uh, uh, castmates on Friday night and was mobbed, was wow. mobbed. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that much, but I mean, that's great. It surprised the hell out of me because yeah. Wilmington isn't a big city. And we're talking, no. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, and it it didn't matter. It was college students. It was, you know, it was oh, people yeah. in their 20s and 30s. It was people in their 60s. There was one guy who came up to our table and said, I only watch one show. <laughs> I, I should do it. I only watch one show. One show. Is it you? And I said, which show is that? He said, it's on Netflix. I said, mm-hmm. He said, Shit's Creek. And I went, yeah. And he was just, <laughs> he lost his mind. He watches one show and it's just great. Phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it was how lovely is that? Yeah. That's, I mean, that, that must make you feel really good and get you kind of charged up to be like, yeah, what's the next thing? This is going to be amazing. Sure. Except I'm an actor. We're in the performing, we're in the business of performing. <laughs> we know that this is here today. It'll be gone tomorrow. Save your money. I mean, you know, I, <laughs> listen, I, 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 I'm, I'm not trying to be self-deprecating on purpose, but I, I do try to be very, very realistic about this thing that we, sure. we do for a living and, um, and how fortunate, uh, I, I am to be able to do it. And, uh, and, and and the fact that there will always be Shits Creek and the real success of Shits Creek is how is what it's done for people, how it got people to a certain extent through the pandemic or, you know, people who had been in the shadows for, for so long finally felt like they could come out into the light. You yeah. know, the yeah. incredible impact that Dan's advocacy has had. It's sort of overwhelming. That to me is the, is the real success of Shit's Creek. And, you know, the, the fact that I'm able to pay my bills and, you know, and I'm relatively comfortable. And if I do, if I manage my money well, I'll be comfortable for a while. Yeah. Freaking bonus. Thank you, universe. I, yeah. That that's it. That that well, really is it. And hopefully, I get to do. You know, I keep getting to do other stuff. You know, um, flexing other muscles. And so far, that's been the case. I've I've uh, yeah. There, there's been other stuff that there. Are other, it certainly brought more opportunities my way. It's it's funny talking to actors. Uh, I'll I'll ask you the last two questions in a second, and we'll finish up. But uh, before that, though, um, it's funny talking to actors. I there's such a difference between, cause I've never wanted to be an actor or considered myself to be an actor by any stretch. 
nor a comedian either. I just sort of ended up doing what I'm doing, just sort of what I'm doing. Wow. It's like, okay. You should tell your career uh, that. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, but uh, it's funny because, I mean, I'm doing this and I've been self-employed since I was 19. But what really appealed to me about doing social media and what I'm doing is that I've created this brand who is me. So people mm-hmm. recognize me mm-hmm. and uh, I can't get fired. I mean, it, you know, it's, I, I can, I mean, I can fire myself yeah. or I can screw it. I can drive this thing into the ground if I yeah. want to. But at the same time, it's like, well, I'm, you know, there's, I, there's like an, you learn that inherent value and I see it in yourself and certainly others I've talked to as well, but certainly in you where it's like, I said to, uh, I was talking to, uh, to Jean Yoon and, mm-hmm. and she was talking about auditioning and I was like, why the hell are you auditioning? I don't get the auditioning thing. It drives me insane. It's like, surely you've got enough body of work out there that people can just look at you and go, yeah, I know what I'm getting. I want that person. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my view mm-hmm. of, of, you know, like certainly for you, I would think that people would be like, well, of course we'll just get her. That's, mm-hmm. that's the person we want. Right. Yeah. So don't diminish your worth. All right. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. I hear yeah. you. And, um, and thank you for that. Thank you for that. And, uh, and I will take that to heart. <laughs> I, I, I do. I, I will take it to heart. I, I like to think of my worth as it, it's a, as larger and more multifaceted than, you know, what I've done. Um, what people see, what I've, what I've done, mm-hmm. you know, in my work. Um, I, uh, as hard as I work at at acting, I try to work even harder at being a good person. And um, and yeah, you know, and there are successes and failures and lessons to learn. And then you think you've learned them, and then you have to go back and learn them again because that also feeds <laughs> the career, right? You know, it, totally. it, it 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 really does. I I. I I I want to be I want to be a good person. It, you know the the career, the notoriety, the the um, popularity. Couple of generations that might be forgotten about, but if I affect people in a good way today, then that gets paid forward. And even when my name is forgotten, maybe years from now, you know that whatever good thing I did today will be reverberating down the line. That was amazing. That was, it just made the rest of us sound like dirt. You yeah, but I, I actually, and I, uh, and the struggle is to live my life like that, right? It's not always easy. So no, it's not. Well, you're doing it, you're doing it very well. Mm, Let me just say that. I hope so. Here's my last two questions. Okay. Are you ready? Oh my God. I'm talking. All right. Here we go. Okay. First question. I want you to give me mm-hmm. a really great tip. The tip can be anything. Oh well, God. I don't know if it's, it's, it's a, I don't know that it's a really great tip because I, um, but one thing that I will say is if you go into your garden every day, um, and, uh, and, take care of it every day because first of all, it'll get you outside. It'll get you um, talking to your neighbors, which is really freaking important. Now, of course I'm talking about people who actually have gardens, but you know, um, uh, but also it means that when you get to those weeds every day, you will never get to the point where it will overwhelm you and you don't know what to do with your damn self. That was pretty good. That was like a, it was like a parable almost. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're lucky enough to have one of those, you know, Toronto or Stratford or wherever gardens where you can actually go out into your front yard, go out there in the spring and summer, obviously not in the winter, spring, summer, fall, get out into your garden. And if you happen to be neighbors with Comfure, Maybe get out and chat with him for a bit. Maybe get chat your friend an invite. Your friend Karen you can go. maybe come over and ha- help out. Maybe there you go. <laughs> My friends, the Huzzies, they have. Be- Andrew Huzzy is an amazing gardener. And, like Doctor um, Hussey? Yeah, 
That's, yeah, of course, friends. I know Dr. Hussey. Yeah, I know Dr. Hussey, of course. Dr. Hussey. So, because you're from Stratford. We know each other's friends. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, um, so yeah. And you, so you've seen his garden. Yes. Oh, yes. my God. To die for. Right? Amazing. And yeah. And he's, he, he putters. And I love that. He putters it's and he good. gets it done. There's something to be learned from puttering. I mm-hmm. think. Here's your final question. Your final question is, uh, if you were to go back in time, not a long time, but just one year ago from right now, you go back in time to talk to yourself one year ago, out of the ether, you appear and say something. What is it you're going to tell yourself one year ago? So where are we at now? September. So um, last year, September. Um <laughs> you know what I would have said to myself last year, September? Oh, girl, you have no idea. Every time, every time I hit some kind of pinnacle in my career, I go, God, that shit's quick. I never thought, you know, and then, um, you know, and then winning a CSA, I never thought. Or, you know, <laughs> last year I was doing, you know, pretty hard cases, um, mm-hmm. uh, working with Meredith McNeil and, Adrian Moore and I never thought and then working on Titans I'm in a superhero thing I never thought and now I'm in Wilmington North Carolina shooting a Netflix limited series with Michelle Monaghan and um, Matt Bomer phenomenal yeah just you know hang on honey you have no idea I love that that was great yeah, that was really great. It's been such a treat talking to you. You're such a delight and a oh, joy. Thank and you. I think, I think your 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 protests of not being uh, of developing your own improv, which is based not on yes and but uh, no <laughs> fuck off. You should probably change that to maybe and just stand maybe. the fuck back. Tell a bit. me more. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> maybe tell me more. Yeah. That's your own kind of maybe. Tell me more. I'm not going to commit to this scene yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like my relationships. Baby, tell me more. <laughs> thank, thank you so much. Thank you for asking me and thank you for having me. This was fun and it wasn't scary at all. Told you. Yeah, you did. I'll listen to you next time. <laughs> the Really Great Podcast is fueled by our well-caffeinated friends at Club Coffee. Don't get too excited because there's no actual club to join. It's just a weird name. I don't know why they chose that name, but they did, and they're called Club Coffee. The good news is they make delicious compostable coffee pods. You can find it retailers across Canada, like Loblaws, Amazon, and Costco. If you're not into coffee, sorry. Oh, and they're Canadian too, eh? <laughs> okay. I, I mean, that was great. I love, love talking to Karen. She's amazing. She's fantastic. And man, she is just a hoot. Um, and what a small world, too, isn't it? It's such a small world. It's, it's as Norm MacDonald once said to, uh, in a video to our son Owen, you know, small world, what an expression. You know, people never say huge globe. <laughs> you know, it just is what it is. But uh, such a great conversation with Karen. I loved it so much, and, uh, and she's fantastic. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I hope to see you on the next episode when we come back. And we'll try to change things up a little bit for Series 3, but it is coming back for Series 3, so I hope you've been enjoying it. And if you haven't listened to some of the early ones, go back and listen to some of the earlier podcasts because there are some fantastic conversations with lots of amazing people. Um, and we've got, we've got some amazing people lined up for the next Series 2. Uh, that I'm super excited to talk to. So thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Take care of yourself, right? Stay well. We'll talk to you soon.